sure Bill and Ted like have the all time like highest score for for time travel efficacy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. If you're into that kind of thing. Absolutely. Which I am. I mean, they kidnapped Genghis Khan. Yeah. And Billy the Kid. Not that's an not, easy task. no easy task at all. Not at all. Billy the Kid was easy. He was trying to get away from the flinch mob anyway. Right. Genghis Khan. Came out he has a life. Nazi. <laughs> Who did? Billy the Kid. It came out that he was a neo-Nazi. Oh, really? And he had a lynch mob after him. And that's why hmm. he had to get rescued by... Is that true? Or is that... Are you just saying that because it's funny? I'm saying it because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I... For those of you who haven't listened to my other podcast, you it's a well-known fact that I know nothing about history. <laughs> um. <laughs> Billy the Kid lived in the uh, 19th century, so... Right, so he wasn't part of the French Revolution. Right, and right. therefore he couldn't have been a Nazi. Could not have been a Nazi. Yeah. A, but not a neo-Nazi, a pre-o-Nazi. Oh, you mean a pre-o-Nazi. Pre-op-Nazi. Pre-op-Nazi? Pre-op-Nazi, that's yeah. what he is, yeah. I, I thought I knew that about him. I think I read that somewhere on Facebook, probably. Well, I mean, I think, like, neo-Nazi in and of itself is just a, it's a term that negates itself. Either To be neo, to be like the guy from The Matrix or a Nazi? Well, you it's can't like be, either you can't you be were, neo from The Matrix and a Nazi at the same time. Yeah, it's like either you were a, a, a German, so, what is it? Foot soldier? No, a German national socialist. In the 1930s and 40s, yes. or you're not a Nazi. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like you know, yeah, saying you wanted to like, I am, I am a 1991 New York Giant. Right, or I'm a Viking. Yeah, I'm a Viking. I'm a pirate. <laughs> I decided that I'm a. Well, you could be a pirate. You can still be a pirate. Yeah, you can't be a Viking though. Can't be a Viking unless you play for the. This Minnesota could be the makings of a particularly good segment. What you can and can't be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Things you can't be. Here's our first segment that we just made up. <laughs> Things that you can't be. Things Number one, be. a Nazi. A Nazi, no matter how hard you try. There's no being a Nazi. No being a Nazi. You could be an asshole. Absolutely. There's plenty of room in that group. Yeah. But you can't be a Nazi. Right. Because there's, yeah, you'd have to go back in time to do that. And join in the movement. Yeah. And you can't can't be a viking yeah i mean maybe if you're related to the bike no you still can't be a viking by definition right like what would what defines a viking um because i dressed as a viking for my skee-ball team last summer right well i mean like vikings were a very distinct norse culture mm -hmm. um you'd have to be swedish you'd have to be scandinavian from, i think scandinavian of sorts yeah, but like Scandinavian, like when, did, when were the Vikings around? The sixteen hundreds? No, farther than that. Their Vikings were like middle Dark Ages. Dark Ages. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure what that means, but yeah. Pre Renaissance. Pre Renaissance. So like before Reagan. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay, so that was our first segment. Hope you all liked it. We just made it up out of, we pulled it out of our asses. What was the name of that segment again? Things You Can't Be. Oh, Things You Can't Be. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You can't be a Nazi, kids, no matter how hard you try. Yeah. We might come back to that at a later date because it's, you know, it's really smart. Um, okay, so now on to our segments that we've actually written down and come up with. I know we don't write anything down. This is all top of our heads. So of course. I said that. I'm going to edit that out. Um, so first segment... 
is, and there's no particular order to these, and we may switch them around at any given time, Stranger Danger. Stranger Danger. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Knock your mic over, Danger. That was my... Stranger Danger. So this segment, uh, we just talk about somebody either of us or both of us have met in the recent weeks who is strange, and odd. Potentially dangerous. Potentially dangerous is like a bonus, but I think that somebody just strange would fit the bill. But if they can be strange and potentially dangerous, then that's like a plus. That's yeah, that's where we want. That's where we yeah. want to be. Yeah. So this is somebody. This is the person that we're going to talk about now. This stranger is somebody we both happened to meet. So, uh, but it, it was it was a few months ago. But I think there's that person is still kind of fresh in our minds. Yeah. And um, and he was a a man or a boy. A, a young man, <clears throat> young man, young man, maybe yeah. early twenties, at our ski ball bar, uh, and he was there with a friend, and he was selling Xanax. A friend or a customer, I think. I think uh, both. I think he was the sample guy. He was like the, he was the the display model. Yeah, the he was model. like, if you buy Xanax from me, you could look like this guy. Absolutely. And that guy was like, you look over at him, and he was like head against the wall, like drool coming out of his mouth yeah, drifting in and out of consciousness his pants were falling down it was pretty awesome yeah like you know real like half-hearted capable attempts to pull his pants back up or i tried to I, I watched him try to light up a cigarette for about 20 minutes yeah we were outside smoking and i watched i was watching him he put he you know how to get the pack of cigarettes out of his pocket then get the cigarette out of the pack then put the cigarette to his mouth then find where his lighter was, take the lighter out, figure out how to light it, and and do that whole process of lighting it and inhaling. It took him a good twenty minutes. Yeah, and he dropped the cigarette probably four or five times at Absolutely. least. Absolutely, yeah, because that's a you know not not a whole lot of dexterity in the in the in the mouth. No, <laughs> in the mouthal area. Yeah, the oral yeah. area. I don't know what you call it. The oral area. Oral area. I believe so. Yeah. The O oral, not the A U oral. Oral area. Oral area. Um, so this guy was just happened to be hanging out at our ski ball bar, and Scotty was there before I got there. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, I made initial contact. You did initial contact over everybody. Well, you know, I feel like um, I'm a bit of a target for drug dealers. Yeah, you know, being mm-hmm. a being a long haired white guy. Yeah, um, it just they, they, their eyes light up when yeah. they see me. They're like, that guy is just going to spend. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I imagine it's like what a, a, a you know a salesman at a Ferrari dealership feels like when a rap star walks up. Oh yeah, they're gonna you make know, a sale. Oh, yeah. yeah, with a Which duffel Ferrari? with a duffel bag in his hand. You Which know, it's Ferrari like, am I gonna actually sell? Absolutely, the most expensive one. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. That's the gold. Exactly. So you made initial contact. So he made initial contact. He made initial contact. He you know, he saw you just got missile lock. Like yeah. yeah, he was like I was outside on the in the you know display jail smoking. This this guy looks like a man who, who was gonna, who wants to buy some Xanax. Yeah. Well, and it's like the the it's a little bit of explanation. The, the, the at the bar that we hang out at for ski ball, there there's a smoking section like at the front of the bar. It's like totally separate from the rest of the bar, and it's got one of those like drop down grates between yeah. you and the sidewalk. Yeah. So people walk by, and it's like you know you're, you you feel like you're an animal at the zoo. Yeah. And um, yeah. So he was walking by on the sidewalk and oh. saw me on the patio. Oh, so you brought him into the bar in the first place, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. like, I did not 
try to you know perpetuate conversation with him at all. Like I really like was just kind of passing him off to you because I just didn't want to make. Oh, because he had, with he him. had come into the bar and then he was standing by you at the end of the bar when I came in. Yeah, he wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> that was literally just me like sliding him off on you. Yeah, and I just remember everybody else in ski ball kind of like steering clear of him and kind of looking at him and i was like who's this guy right and you were you were like uh, you were hep to it you're like when i was like oh joe you know you were you, you tried to pretend like you didn't hear i was me. like this like, is a guy that i don't really want to pay attention to i right. can tell he's like trouble right but then i said like well joe might want to buy some xanax and you were like oh xanax yeah yeah that, that perked it up my ears absolutely because i did want to buy some xanax i didn't know that i did at the time like walking into the bar was like the furthest thing from my mind but right. then when you asked me, I was like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this guy was a weirdo, and and that's our Stranger Danger segment. All right, so now um, we're going to talk about our illogical beliefs. Illogical beliefs. Yeah. You know, most podcasts, people are going to try to convince you of how smart or how funny or how special they are, but that's <laughs> just not us. No, we want to give you the true... Uses. The truth of who we are. The truth of who we are, no matter how terrible it may sound. Yeah. How scary it may be. Yeah, uh, because we want you to feel comfortable to be your true self. Yeah, and I think we all have these illogical beliefs. Especially on social media, where we can then make fun of you later on our podcast. Yeah, and it'll be on record. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, let's put it this way. Let's, let's, let's be clear about this. We will always make fun of ourselves more than other people. I think that's the key. Yeah, it's like a fifty-one forty-nine kind of deal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, because like I think a lot of comedians try to hide behind the concept that they make fun of everyone. Yeah. You know, equally. Yeah. That's not true. No. I, I I don't make fun of everyone equally. No. But I make up for it by making fun of myself a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the key. It yeah. Really is. If you can't laugh at yourself, you probably don't poop every day. But, like, if you can't laugh at yourself, like, it's not really fair to laugh at other people. Because then you're just kind of a dickhead bully. Okay, so, let's get into this segment. Illogical beliefs. What's your illogical belief, Scotty? Um, my illogical belief, I, you know, mine pr- primarily fall into the category of superstition. Mm-hmm. And uh, this particular superstition that I'm thinking of right now involves um, fantasizing about a girl like you know, when I jerk off, mm-hmm. um, before I have reasonable knowledge that she actually wants to have sex with me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if it's just somebody I meet and they think, they think they're really attractive and like, maybe like I hope to hook up with them someday. Yeah. I totally think I'll jinx it if I, you know, yeah. creep on their Facebook photos and rub one out okay. before that intention has come forth from her. Is that a thing? Like, cause I don't feel like I'd, do that what? or have i don't know like meet somebody and then go jerk off about them i mean i don't think that's like a normal situation no but i mean i'm not saying it's like maybe just after a first meeting or something oh, like somebody that you're starting to get to know and like yeah, somebody that you know that you're but you don't know to. if they like you yet exactly and if you jerk off too soon you jinx it yeah that's mm. just like it just puts yourself right in the in the in not just the friend zone, yeah. but the creepy friend zone. Because she somehow she can detect that you've done that. The yeah. next time you see her, she's gonna look in your eyes and be like, "You jerked off to me already, haven't yeah. you?" Just it's like now I I own you. And therefore, yeah, yeah therefore <laughs> I will never date you, which doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever on None. both sides. 
None whatsoever. If she did that, it wouldn't make logical sense. Like, if I met a girl and I found out that she masturbated to me, I'd probably be like, let's get together. Right. Like, And I think that even if I didn't find her attractive before I heard that... It's just weird. I'd be like, oh my God. Like, yeah. That, I don't know, that'd be kind of hot to me. Like, I think I would think of that as a kind of a turn on. You know, and then especially the idea or the possibility of like fulfilling someone's yeah. out there fantasy. Oh my why god! Why is it? Why is it weird for men to talk about jerking off or jerk off, and super sexy for women to masturbate? Well, I mean, I think it's just really aesthetics. Like it's it's a very challenging thing for a guy to look cool jerking off. Yeah. Like I think you can do it. You can do like this sexy like you know stroke like when you're doing a little Skype session with somebody. Like Antonio on uh, Banderas style jerking off. Yeah. Maybe, that's you a, know. That's, a, that's I would. A, it's like I, I imagine Antonio Banderas like jerks off really sexily. Right. You know. But like ultimately, I think when it comes down to it, like when you when you have to finish. Yeah. You know, like when you're speeding up. It's not. You, you still can't. look like a monkey. Like. You yeah. Just, it's, you it's, make weird faces and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's also the posture. It's like you're jerking yourself. Like, yeah. Women can, there's, like, and there's they, no they, real good, comfortable position that you can look cool and sexy in. Right. They're like rubbing between their legs. Like, I think that. Yeah, they, they're sprawled out and they're rubbing between their legs and they're like curling their toes. Yeah, and, and it's very mysterious and, yeah. and, and magical. And yeah. I can barely even remember the last time I jerked off laying on my back. Really? Yeah. How do you jerk off? I feel off? like it. Uh, Sitting down in a chair, mostly. really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm definitely like I. I, almost, I mean, I, like, I try. I try different things. I almost like, have to like have my feet up. I, I was like standing. Just, to, I did a finish. lot of standing up for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of into a standing up phase. It used to be a thing with me. Like I could, like I'd have to like lock my legs straight. Yeah. Or like I couldn't finish. Oh yeah. Which, interesting. You didn't want to get too deep into that. Well, I mean, which really made it interesting for like you know like getting a blowjob in a car. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the days <laughs> and hitting which... the gas or the brakes, somewhere, depending <laughs> on where you were and what you were doing. Right, or you're in the back seat and you can only straighten one leg. Yeah, you know, it's trial. These are so, challenges. Uh, so my um, so Joe, yeah, you illogical tell us, let's, belief. Let's stop talking about masturbating for a minute. Um, <laughs> we can always get back to that. Oh yeah, that's why I said for a minute. Um, <laughs> what's 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 your illogical belief? Uh, well, the one I'm going to talk about is not nearly as sexy and scandalous as yours. Uh, but it's something that I have believed for a really long time, and I even know that it's super illogical. But I just don't like to eat food that's been mailed to me. Okay, now you don't like to eat food that's been mailed? That's pretty weak. Like, or you refuse no, to No, I, I refuse to, yeah. Okay. I, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, there's been circumstances where I have because I was starving but so i just like, don't like the idea of it so it's like if i like sent you a banana in the mail yeah you know you're yeah not gonna eat that, but i don't find that too illogical no but say you sent me like a box of crackers sealed right in the mail like a care package yeah i would open that mail and look at the pull out the box of crackers and be like uh no 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 would you be grateful i would yeah i'd be grateful it actually started when my parents used to send me care packages of snacks uh, in, to my dorm when I was in college. Yeah, no, my mom never sent me care packages. And I would never. just give them out to my roommate and my, and my friends and stuff because for some reason I just there was something unappetizing about food being mailed to me. Was there an association with it? No, not that I could place. You know, did you have a bad like Pepperidge Farms experience when you were stoned one time? No, that's happened to me before. What? 
I don't know. Maybe I was worried about anthrax. Yeah. I, who knows? You went a little too far into a beef yeah. stick. Well, the thing. The, <laughs> <laughs> well, the main reason I I know now that it's illogical <laughs> is because I realize that all food is mailed everywhere. Kind of in some way, shape, or form. I mean, yeah. mailing something is really just putting it on a truck and having somebody drive it across the country or on a plane and having it fly. Yeah. Just, so so is food delivery. Yeah, <laughs> it's been in a box and it's traveled. But for some reason, if it goes through the postal service, it's unappetizing to How me. How about having food delivered? That's fine. I get food delivered all the time. What about like a? It's about. It's really about the postal service. What about a gift basket? A gift basket that comes in the mail that's delivered by the the mailman or, or the it's UPS just guy. To your door, and it's like wrapped in cellophane, with a little bow at the top. If it's if it came delivered by a guy in a uniform, I would eat that. Okay. Yeah, that's different to me. Right. It, it doesn't have a stamp so on it. Is, I mean, if, this, if it has a stamp on it, I won't eat it. Okay, a lot of things have stamp on stamp, stamp on like a postage stamp. Oh, uh, what about like a uh, imports? Im- Jesus, an imporn. God, I just can't imporn. I can't unsex. I'll watch right porn now. that was mailed to me. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, not not if it's got a stamp. So let's. Jump into uh, your mom box. Your mom box. Tell us about your mom box. All right. Now we can we we can explain the mom box. What we were we were having sort of just a random morbid conversation one time, and and we came up with the idea that um, you know it would be really tragic if one of us died before our mom, like when our moms were still alive. Yeah. You know, like that's that's always the It'd be terrible the biggest nightmare of a mother is having a child, right? Yeah. So what we thought is sort of an altruistic gesture to that was we would create a mom box, which is where we would have a box, like, you know, and keep it in our closet. And yeah. we would have, like, four mom on it. You know, because, of course, like, your mom, we're, we're single guys, you know. Yeah. We're, we're, if, if we die an untimely death, like, our mom is going to be the one cleaning our shit up. Yeah, like, pretty, pretty much. much yeah. That. Yes. Um, you know, and a lot of guys have this concept that, you know, they'd have their best friend come over and get rid of all their gnarly shit. And yeah. Clear their search history. Like, my mom couldn't even figure out how to look up no she wouldn't be able history. to find anything and, so yeah. you know if so me dying young like there's a risk of, of being sort of canonized in my mom's eyes and that, right. i feel like that would make it a lot harder for her to deal with yeah that her you know her baby boy was was gone too early yeah so i think that the way to, way to combat this is you say is, is just by taking all of my like craziest most inappropriate shit that i own yeah. and putting it in a box in my closet and labeling it for mom. mom yes yes so that's post, the mom box post-mortem i have this incredibly dark joke my mom opens was like what the fuck is wrong with him and she's just all of my all of my dirty secrets in one box and just uh for clarity's sake this is a segment we're going to do every week mm-hmm. and a- each week we're going to put something new in our mom boxes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so this week we've got a couple of special items for mom yeah um yeah, Joe, what, what what are you going to put in your mom's box this week? <laughs> um, I'm going to put a naked picture of my brother. <laughs> do, you, do you already have said picture? No, I'm going to have to go find a way to take a, take it and get one somehow. I mean, it's probably going to take me a while. I, I don't think I'm yeah, going to well, die I think anytime that, soon. That but... You even need another adjective in there. A candid naked photo of your brother. A candid naked Ooh, photo of my brother. That makes it even worse. Like, but like printed out old school style. You know, <laughs> multiple copies. Yeah, some laminated. <laughs> yeah, for mom. Man, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so and then my item for the mom box this week is uh, one of my new favorite scariest discoveries <laughs> is uh, basically that uh, by mixing uh, three quarters of a gram of cocaine with 15 milliliters of saline nasal spray yeah. in one of those vertical pump nasal spray containers is yeah. the most efficient way to do cocaine by far. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a drug that uh, Joe and I both agree on this. Is, cocaine is one of those drugs that, you know, I think the whole concept of it being super addictive is totally overblown because it's one of those drugs that's really fun and that's really not fun. It just, at some point, well, I'm like not, I'm, I, I don't hours, agree with, with the fact that the, I, I think it's an addictive drug for some people. For some people, not for us. Not for us. Yeah. Yeah. But the nasal spray application has got potential that I'm a little nervous about. Your, yeah. Yeah. So, like, why why is that something you're going to leave for your mom? Um, How is she going to know what it is? Are you going to label it drink me? Or are you going to, like, put a, a, a label on it that says this is Scotty's nose cocaine thing? What is it that, um, you I know, you got to picture uh, that moment when your mom opens the box and she sees a naked picture of my brother. Yeah, that's she's gonna that's right away right away and then the gonna... fact that it's a candid new photo i mean it yes. makes it even worse and the multiple copies and yeah no, okay yeah. your item's better than mine this week but I, i'm not saying it is i just want to know what my my way i'm picturing it is you know having like sort of putting it on there like a like a recipe on a cam campbell's soup you know, a can of campbell's soup <laughs> yeah so the, the actual ingredients yeah the recipe yeah totally yeah and then try this mom yeah. <laughs> You'll love it. Right. I mean, this is like, I think, you know, especially for my mom, is somebody that really, she freaks out about drinking more than like two or three drinks. Yeah. She doesn't like to lose control. Yeah. And, you know, I think okay. cocaine is the, the As long the, as she knows it's cocaine to, like, and it's like a, it's a, it's a cocaine type of invention that you came up with, mm -hmm. that should, that should be good. Yeah. All right. Bam. Bam. Great segment. Your mom box picture this yeah all right so we've got a segment now called uh picture this and <laughs> this week's picture this is something that's uh been tantalizing kenosis the last few days yeah it's just like you sometimes i get these images in my head and uh i play them over and over again and i try to imagine things and you know it's like one of those things like when you're driving and you imagine yourself driving off a cliff and you just keep kind of you can't stop thinking about it and then you start dissecting what would happen and what your friends would say and how you would die and what's going to happen with this and that. So my mind goes all over the place with these things. And the one that's been on my mind is a little bit more lighthearted than driving off a cliff. Uh, imagine being chased down by someone. Like it's like a scary dream. Like imagine a time when somebody has been attacking you, right? They've, they're running down the street at you or they're wielding a weapon and giving you that look coming they're walking over to you at the bar uh, you know because you just talked to their girlfriend or whatever now imagine that person wearing flip-flops how less scary are they i think at least 25 percent. 25 percent less scary with flip-flops at least yeah so it's like picture so, picture somebody that you think is scary running down the sidewalk at you you know and you know they're after you and they're gonna beat you up or kill you or whatever now just imagine them wearing flip-flops flip-flop 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 mm -hmm. coming at you so there's still the threat that you know 
They're not like immobilized. They're just wearing flip flops. Do you have a particular style of flip flop in mind when it comes to this? I'm thinking like you know, like the little rubber shower shoes. Yeah, I'm like, th- I'm thinking like flimsy flip flops. Not, not like the full fitting. You know, no, not like not like the real nice one. Yeah, none of those. I wouldn't call those really nice. Yeah, just another. Yeah, ones that are awkward. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe a little bit too big even. You know, they're really extra flopping. Yeah, they're like jiggling and flopping. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's interesting to me that uh, that particular item of clothing can really decrease uh, danger. Well, yeah, but I also think when it comes to like, you know, that the appearance of someone, like, you know, fighting man or, or woman or whatever, like, you know, yeah. boots generally are. Yeah. I'd be scared you know, if they some, had boots. Something that's, something that's like a strong, sturdy anchor to the ground. Oh, yeah. Um, that could lay a nasty kick. Yeah. You know? Because the foot, foot's a vulnerable place in the body. So, like, if somebody has boots on, they're significantly harder to hit, hurt than if they don't. Yeah. If they that's have flip-flops true. on, they're much easier. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm someone that wears flip-flops almost constantly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's that's a part of the fact that I come across as, as you know... Peaceable. Peaceable, a pacifist. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. It does add to that appeal. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when I'm wearing flip flops, I feel nicer. Yeah. I feel like a nicer, better person. Yeah. And I walk a little slower. Yeah. I have a little more of a stroll. I feel less stressed when I'm wearing flip flops. Yeah, totally. It's definitely, not only does it decrease threats, but it also increases uh, relaxation. Right, so like I said, it also decreases the likelihood of a person initiating violence. Right, and yeah, you can look at it that way too. If I went, if all of a sudden I got really angry and I was going to attack someone, I was going to be on the other end of that. If I looked down and I realized I had flip flops on, I'd be like, eh, maybe another time. Right, totally. You know, like if you know, I might, maybe I'll be wearing shoes tomorrow. I'll, I'll do it then. Think of someone scary. Put them in flip flops. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Charlie Manson. Charlie Manson. And he probably wore flip-flops all the time when he was in prison. Yeah. He had to have. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't, like, violent. Like, it, Imagine Hitler in flip-flops. Charlie Manson was, like, 5'7 or something. 5'6. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not an imposing guy. He, he, he didn't really become scary until he was already convicted and in jail and acting like a lunatic. Well, what was scary about him is he never killed anyone. Well, right. Yeah. You know? He just convinced teenage girls to do it for him. Yeah. Which is, Maybe they were wearing flip-flops. Which is impressive. I mean, yeah, really. teenage girls can be really gullible. Convince a 15-year-old girl to do almost anything. It's true. But, I mean, gruesome murders? That's... Yeah, I feel like I could do that. If I really put my mind to it. I don't believe you. No? <laughs> I don't... I'm, I wouldn't do it. But I, I think know. if that's, I that's decided I that I wanted to... I want, she'll never prove me wrong. I'm never going to prove never. you wrong. Yeah, so it's easy to say. I don't want you to prove me wrong. No, I don't want to either. I'm just saying. I think I, I, think I could convince someone to do something. Like write like paragraphs on the wall in a victim's blood. I mean that. Oh, especially that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably guess, more that more that than the actual murder. Yeah, and I guess once I'd be you, the guy that was hanging out with Charles Manson on the side, and, like, and be like, yeah, and write and write stuff on the walls with their blood, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, and then after you do that. <laughs> yeah, you were the one actually convincing Charlie Manson to convince the. No, no, he was con- he was doing the convincing. I was just throwing in the cool shit afterwards. Okay, I was like his creative director. Okay, you know? like his hype man a little bit too. Yeah, his hype man. Well, you know, because he would he did have all the power of convincing the girls to commit murders, and I'd throw in like just splash it up a little bit, just yeah. punch it up. 
I know it's cool. You're going to kill them. You're going to, but like, imagine if you took their blood and you wrote stuff on the walls. Right. You know? Yeah. You should be an actress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's pregnant. Yeah, that's, yeah. And yeah, it was like, who really should it be? Who would be the best? What time? What lighting is the best for killing people? That's got to be taken you know? into account. Yeah. Do you think Charles, Charles Manson doesn't have that? All has the ability to do all of that, right? I mean, I think it's hard enough like, to just convince people. As a serial killer, that was one of Dexter's most redeeming qualities: is the lighting in his kill rooms was oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He had it all nailed down. Totally, yeah. he looked like really like. You know, oh yeah, he had the underlit. He had lights shining up. Yeah, and he yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, he really he really nailed it. Right. All right. So, um, I feel like it's time now for. A segment we just came up with called Terrible Friend Archetypes. And this is where we profile a made up archetype, um, made up by us. Yes. Uh, of, of a friend, of a type of friend. <laughs> it's an archetype that we've made up of a type of friend that we have. We know you probably do too. Yeah. Maybe you don't, and you're being introduced to them for the first time now. Or maybe you've purged your life of them. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you're, you've done, done that and gotten them out. So today's terrible friend archetype is the codependent drunk. Codependent drunk. Yes. This is somebody you have in your life who... When you're out at the bar, or you're out to dinner, or you're at a party, or... You're... Oh, Joe, man, it's so great to see you, brother. Come over here, dude. I fucking miss you. Come here. Oh, dude, you gotta do a shot with me. Yeah. Come on, do some Jameson. We gotta fucking take a shot of Jameson. <laughs> Which turns into three hours later. Just another shot. Just uh, one more one shot. One more shot. Come on. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a fucking pussy. Ah. Come on, let's do it. And you're just thinking in your head like, no, 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 please, I don't want to drink anymore. Because we all know that shot. To... I mean, I've got to the point in my drinking now where I know that shot. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, that I'm one pretty, that's, that, that's the one that's going to put you over the edge. Far. Yeah, and that's the shot that they always want you to do. Always. They see it in your eyes. You're like, you, you pick up that shot and you think, oh no, if I do this shot, it's over. Yeah. And they see that. They target it. They see that look in your eye, and they're like, "Do that shot." I think it gives you have to do that shot. You know, like they they get a little, uh, you know, psychological boner for that kind of stuff. Like they (laughs) get all fired up. Like, yeah, oh yeah. Like I I think there's a. It feels like there's a there's a joy in like the manipulation of it. I think so. You know. Yeah. Like it's it's something that. But it comes from a place of insecurity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's like. But I see sometimes they get that like little bit of joy in it. Yeah. Like you these know? friends like need to, yeah. They need to influence a little bit. They do, but that's that's sort of where they come from. The codependent drunk is somebody who's feels insecure about the fact that they want to drink a lot and they want you to be there and do it with them. Right, and I think they bought into that also that that concept. Of, but it's yeah, it's like the best times, or you know, they and, watch and, but it's more than that too because I see that they get pleasure in watching you you fall. Yeah. Well, they, they get pleasure in the chaos of, yeah. of the drunken shenanigans. And they'd rather I, it be you. Yeah, which which I do as well. But I've never been the one to like... Try to do You it. know, like I'll lead the way by example. Like yeah. if we're going to get weird, 
and we're going to get drunk. Yeah. And I was like, I'm right there. I'm not one of those, like, wind them up and watch them go kind of No, guys. I think if anybody wants to get drunk, it's totally their right. If they want to get really drunk and black out or do something stupid, or that's yeah. totally their right to do if they're in the mood or ready for it. Right, but the one that's like... But you can't ever make somebody do that. Right, the one that, like, a person that, like, can't comfortably accept you not participating yes. with every round. Yeah. That's weird to me. It is. It's very strange. That's strange that's, that's the codependent drunk. Yeah, absolutely. What's their weakness, Joe? It's what I am a master of, and that's it's true. the Irish exit. They can't get you drunk if you're not there. Exactly. Yes. So I feel like the, that's their... If you ever encounter, which you probably have, a codependent drunk, the best way out of that situation is to make sure you have your keys with you. Make sure you've paid your credit card bill. Mm-hmm. Say you're going to go to the bathroom or smoke a cigarette or you're just going to talk to someone for a second. And Phone call. Don't hesitate. Just beeline for the door and and keep going don't look back because the second you look back and make eye contact with someone you're going to get stuck yeah yeah you got to go deaf like when you're within five steps of the door you, you gotta, just got to go deaf and you got to find a perfect opportunity to do it in fact i might do a segment one of these weeks on the art of the irish exit. the art of the irish exit and my particular strategies mm-hmm. around it i'm sure everybody's got their own but i i i think i'm pretty good at it so i, I think i would have some good tips for people yeah, Joe. Joe's a master, but I like I, you know. And one, I think, very generous thing about about Joe is uh, he will include me in his Irish exits. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I, I I do enjoy a good Irish exit as if well. I, and I yeah, and I and I have no, I don't need to leave on my own. It, like the optimal Irish exit is that I do leave on my own, and nobody knows the better. Right. But if I have somebody that I trust that, and the opportunity is right. I will include them in my exit. Yeah. But it's limited. Because if I if I find the moment and go and you miss it for some reason, I'm leaving you. Right. Yeah, cuz it like I mean it's it's I won't jeopardize my own exit to help yours, but I will include you in mine. And if you can hang, yeah, and do it, you're so welcome to come on my Irish exit. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And the last of the breakdown of the codependent drunk is their special talent, which I'm sure you've all figured out at this point. It's immunity to the word no. Sorry, I just can't stop thinking about coming on your Irish exit. <laughs> wow, I just got that. What, really? Yeah, I was like, he's laughing way too hard for the, for that. And then I was like, oh. Yeah. No, I mean you just yeah. said that. Man, it's better that you didn't. Double entendre. <laughs> I feel great about coming on your Irish exit, and I am I'm Irish too, so yeah, it yeah. works. And now let's say the last but not least, the final segment of tonight's episode of dancing about architecture with Joe and Scotty is a segment we like to call. Doctor Strange Body, or <laughs> how I learned to stop worrying and love my weird wavy tending thing. 
Tell us about your weird wavy tendon thing, Scotty. This was just a, it, it's a very recent discovery. Yeah, I haven't had time recent. to uh, investigate it because I discovered it about forty minutes ago. Yeah, uh, it's basically when I move my index finger, you know, in a straight position up and down. Yeah. Oh wait, no, it only works when I do it with my. I gotta, I gotta do like a little wave thing with my fingers where I kind of move them all. In, in like succession. you're playing the piano. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like loosening loosening my fingers up to play the piano. Right. The the tendon for my index finger actually makes a little wave instead of just like popping up and down. It it, it yeah, it's like a snake. Yeah, it kind right? of like by the way, kind of snake squirms around under there. Moves forward. Yeah, kind of creeped me out at first. I, I think I have got it too. It's not quite as pronounced as yours, but when I do it, I can see that wavy movement. Yeah, like yours is kind of it's like it's almost covered like with a, other. It's veins. a little bit more of a stop motion. And and <laughs> yeah. mine is is definitely like got a little like a, a three times speed lava lamp thing going on. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. definitely some weird motion. Nice. Yeah. Great discovery, Scotty. I thought you were gonna say great description. No, it was a terrible description. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but a great discovery. Um. So. So Joe, what's your weird thing? Doctor Strange body, my Doctor Strange body, or. How I learned to stop worrying and love my face cancer. <laughs> yes, I have discovered with the help of my mom that I have face cancer and I'll probably die of it soon. And the also, help of your mom. Who's... Well, my mom who identifies, who, can, who says she can identify. She's had melanoma two or three times or she's had a similar skin cancer removed. Yeah. Three times, I think, in her life. Wow. Uh, so I'm prone to stuff like that, and she likes to remind me of that. It's, every time she sees something growing on me, it's like cancer. Um, so yeah, I, this is a recent discovery. I had like what I thought was a zit on my cheek, mm-hmm. and I tried. I attempted to pop it, and it didn't pop. It just sort of tore, Ooh. and got weird. Anything come out? Nothing came out. Okay. It just sort of tore like I was like trying to... It was almost as if I was trying to pick a mole off, you know? Oh, right. It just okay. didn't really... Or, or if you ever had a wart. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't really work. Right. Uh, and then it was all bloody and shitty, and I hated it, and it like, you know, took a while to heal back up. And then it healed, and I was like, okay, great, it's going to go away now, whatever it was, and then grown hair. But then it came back again, and of course I picked it again. And this time I tried harder and I succeeded in like what I thought was maybe ripping it off. But it turns out I just ripped a bunch of skin off the top of it. And so it flakes. It's like it kind of like the skin flakes off of it. And I find myself picking at that. My mom saw me. It's a nice spot on your cheek too, like just location wise. (laughs) For itching. For like a casual itch on the face. Yeah, it's a casual itch on the face place. It's right in the sweet spot. It really is. And my mom saw me doing it the other day. And was, oh. and was like, what is that? Stop touching it. And I was like, I don't know. I just, it's, I think it's a wart maybe. And I got to get it looked at or whatever. She's like, is the skin flaky? Is it blah, blah, blah? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's a, it's a squamish or whatever the, whatever the cancer cell thing is. She's like, it's probably that you need to go get it biopsied, which I, I'll probably do or at some just point. Rub some marijuana on it. Yeah. Some hemp oil, hemp oil. Okay. <laughs> you ever just rub like a 
leaf of marijuana on it. Or a bud. A bud. Yeah. Yeah, that help. Does that help cancer? That's, that's how you get rid of cancer. Oh, really? Yeah, totally. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything else is just chemtrails. <laughs> and everything else is just chemtrails, folks. So that's the story of my face cancer. Cool. So, Hopefully I'll be here for the next episode if my face doesn't slide off. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't hang out with you if your face slid off. No, if I had a big hole in my face? Uh, I might be able to deal with a hole. Yeah, maybe. a second mouth. I like what comes out of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, Scotty. And I think that about concludes our first episode of Dancing About Architecture. Absolutely. Featuring Joe and Scotty and not Mitch. Definitely not Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Wow. Wow.